Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Music Is Not A Genre, the interview edition. Uh, as you know, if you've tuned into my uh, other versions of this podcast, I talk about music in every which way, and I connect it to all other kinds of music and other things. And I always say that my objectives are music, conversation, and connection. I'm really making good on that second one with this uh, new series here. This is the first of many interviews I will be doing with uh, some awesome people in the music world in various ways. Uh, as always, uh, don't forget to subscribe, and, uh, click, share, submit, uh, pay your dues, whatever, whatever the hell you're supposed to do back there. I appreciate all of it, uh, whether you are on YouTube or Patreon or any of the podcast streaming services that uh, this is on audio only. And if you are, message me there too, so you can see the, the video of these beautiful faces. Uh, with me today is the one and only Catherine Lynn. She is a performer. Uh, she's a performer in various ways and the co-creator of Snurk Shirts by Feek, which is a t-shirt and gifts company. Uh, she was also gracious enough to perform backup vocals on several of my band Rex songs from our recent release, the magnum opus, The Weird Objective. Uh, she's been a photographer since she was 15 years old, uh, ran her own freelance photography business for 10 years right here in NYC, and something we may get to later, thinks that now more than ever, people should be taking a lot of naked pictures of themselves. <laughs> now there's Catherine, how are you today? With an intro like that, how could I be anything other than fantastic? <laughs> yes, that's the idea. We really we went right to the heart there from the beginning. You got to go oh. right, right for the meat, right for the meat. <laughs> I should be careful what I put on that, yeah. that questionnaire. Yeah. So how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Good, good. So uh, I usually, uh, usually meaning this is the first time and I'm assuming that it will be usual. I start off these interviews by talking about if this is the case, how we know each other. Uh, and I'm going to give you my version first. And if you want to, you know, correct it, please feel free to. So we uh, are, along with being musicians, are both actors and uh, did a play, one act, in 2017 as part of a series with a director named Jesse Kane Hartnett. And uh, that's how we met. We were the only two actors in that very short one act. Uh, shortly after that, um, I was uh, in a band with a great guy named Fred Sauter, who I will be interviewing in a future episode of this. And uh, 
she, Catherine here, came to one of my gigs. And, um, well, whether you, you know, if you know us, you will know what comes next. And if not, uh, surprise, surprise. Well, we have been together as partners in every single way ever since uh, late 2017. And uh, as of this recording, we'll be getting married hopefully this year, if the year lets us. Uh, how do you feel about that assessment of uh, how we met? I am in solid agreement with everything that you have just said. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Which is really important considering that last bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. So I've talked enough. Why don't you tell everybody in your own words your story? How, nice whatever. story. Yeah, it can be strictly about music or performance. It can be a personal, it can be anything you want. I, 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 I'd like to hear this. I know other people would too. <laughs> am I anyway? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I uh, was born in California, Southern California. And uh, since the age of three, I grew up as a dancer and started doing musical theater at around 16 years old. And I uh, always wanted to move to New York City, um, not necessarily to be a performer, but just because I knew that I should definitely be a New Yorker. And so when I was 21, I moved to New York, and I have been here ever since. And that's a couple decades out. And um, I currently live in Queens, New York with you. And as you said, I had a uh, photography business here for 10 years. I always did photography along with performing since a very young age. And, uh, and in the last 10 years, I've actually been a fitness instructor primarily through crunch gyms here in New York as well. And uh, now since last year's uh, craziness and the craziness that continues into this year with the pandemic, um, that put up a lot of career crossroads and whatnot. So um, you and I, of course, started to perform even more regularly as Catherine plus Nick, uh, which we had started actually in the end of 2019 when we started to actually perform in clubs when you could still together. I was doing backup, like you said, for rec um, songs. And then last year we just continued it, doing it on uh, Facebook lives and whatnot, which has been really fun. Um, uh, limiting, you know, but fun. Uh, so we're continuing to do that. And then we also created Snark Shorts by Feek in 2018, um, shortly after we got together, which like you said, is a t-shirt and gift company based on your childhood doodles of Feek, your mascot. <laughs> and so, uh, we're just kind of continuing on with all of that. Um, there's been a lot of curveballs. I've always, yeah, there you go. There's the finger. Uh, for anybody who can't see this, that is a little line art drawing of a little head. Uh, screaming, shouting, snarks. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and so I still love living in New York City. It's definitely my home. It's been going on 20 years now. Uh, that's what my anniversary will be this year, 20 years in New York. And I'm riding out to see what's what's next in everything, I think. I think there's a lot of question marks right now. So I'm very happy yeah. to be here with you talking about this, um, continuing to do music, uh, the business, and figuring out what next steps are with freaking everything. <laughs> so that's about, <laughs> that's my summary, I guess you could say. That's good. That's with freaking everything. Yeah. Um, I think because this is such a special, special time, here in, I mean, everywhere in the world, but uh, as we know here in, in New York City, before we get to, to really talking about the, you know, serious music stuff, I wanted to follow up on something you said, which is that 
you moved here because you knew you wanted to be a New Yorker. Yeah, you know, if you ever tell anybody that you have any kind of performing background and that you moved from a relatively small town to New York City, they ultimately assume that you came to make it in New York. You were going to be on Broadway. You were going to, you know, conquer the Big Apple. If you could do it here, you could do it anywhere. And I, you know, I looked back on that for a long time wondering if that was actually my goal when I was trying to do other careers. And I was like, well, wait a minute, did you did you swerve off of your goal? Were you coming to make it? And I really looked back at it and um, dancing and musical theater and acting and singing, they were all things that I absolutely love with my heart to do and really gave me um, great insight to life and really great life lessons. But I never remembered coming with the specific goal to make it. I just knew that New York was a place that I needed to be. I had never visited here before I moved here. I just moved here with a friend. And um, I just knew that this was, yeah, my was going to be my home. And 20 years later, it has definitely been that. So sometimes you just need to know where you need to go before you know what you need to do there, I guess. I think that's a great point that you can't always assume that people who moved here move for the same reason, mm-hmm. you know. But I will, but I will say that knowing your history uh, and your current and the current state of things in your life, uh, whether or not that's true for you, it it uh, seems as though you always keep coming back to music in one way or another. And I'd like to know what it is about, you know, and and, and not just as a fan, but as you're actually involved in somehow creating music, whether it's uh, interpreting other people's songs or creating new songs, uh, you know, however it is. What is it that keeps bringing you back? Well, um, when I was about 10, uh, yeah, around 10 years old, I got asked to sing uh, a song publicly for the first time. I was a I was a dancer. I had a, a, a neighborhood studio that I went to and I loved dancing very much and I hadn't really thought about singing and I was asked to tend to do this song and it was an extremely frightening situation. I was not the, I was not the ham in singing that I was with dancing for sure. I did not feel like running to the front of the stage. I did not feel like I was going to let my soul shine through the microphone. Um, and even when I actually started singing lessons when I was 17 because I started to do musical theater first as a dancer and then as a singer and an actor um, my singing teacher even threatened to stop teaching me because I was so insecure about letting my voice be heard and so um, singing and learning music out of all the performing things that I've done from acting and dancing um, was always the hardest for me. Uh, it was the thing I felt the most uncomfortable with. And yet, um, it, was, yeah, it was always a very big challenge. And yet I always felt very uh, connected to it. I think I always admired singers and people who could just get up and sing because they felt enveloped by music and they felt comfortable in music. And it was a totally different language. Like I said, it was very challenging to learn for me. So Again, like I said prior, at that same time that I was doing all of this stuff as a teenager, I was also a photographer. And photography came, again, first at 10, and then throughout my teenage years was second nature to me. I just knew what to do with the camera. I understood it. 
it made complete sense to me. And so what I understand now looking back is that photography was the way that I could uh, sing through a camera. It's the way that I could take pictures and show my point of view. It's the way that I could express my feelings and my thoughts. And it was, it was the way I had to do it because I didn't know how to do it verbally. And so after doing photography for what now is 20 plus years, you know, um, that form of communication, I feel like I've uh, kind of, I, I've done it uh, to the extent that I feel good about. Maybe I'll go back to it later, but I feel like having to express myself through image is really satisfied. But um, I feel more comfortable now uh, speaking and verbalizing my thoughts and my truths. And so I feel like I keep going back to singing. I want to conquer that sort of fear or that um, uh, insecurity around uh, expressing my myself in that way. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I think that's what keeps pulling me back is that I just, um, I've exhausted the way I knew how to do it. And now I need to, I need to figure out how to do it this way to my, I'm not satisfied yet, I guess is what you could say. So it sort of combines, I would, I guess you would say a, a, a love of music and, and performing with a personal challenge. Well, yeah, I always, I really admired singers and music obviously has always been a huge part of my life. Both of my parents loved music. My sister's a dancer. Uh, my grandmother loved music. Um, uh, music was always there because of dance, obviously. So I'm, I very connected to it, but there were no singers in my family necessarily. Um, so I think that I have a great admiration for musicians, um, I never felt like a musician. I really wanted to satisfy uh, my need to be able to express myself vocally um, with confidence. So I, I don't know if that means that I'm a singer necessarily. I think that there's just, I want to be okay with speaking my truth uh, through music. That's, I was, I was just thinking that, uh, just something that happens often here. Uh, <laughs> And, and what I was what I was thinking was that there are you know there are people who are compelled to do music at every level of experience and skill. There there are like uh, you know professed amateurs who do it for love. Uh, there are professionals uh, at the t highest level who do it for love, and, and there are plenty of people in the middle who do it because it's a job and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And in all of that mix, many of those musicians do not. They don't use uh, necessarily use music as a way to express some part of their inner self or identity per se. For example, many musicians I know uh, are perfectly happy being kind of in the pocket in a band as a mm -hmm. bass player, as a keyboardist, mm -hmm. um, which knowing your skill and knowing your, how adept you are at rhythm and you do percussion and being, having a dance background, there were there were other ways that you could have expressed yourself through music, and yet having you know facility at singing, it, it is only really one one reason. There was some other reason why you chose not just to continue to come back to music as a challenge, but to do it in a way that is expressing some inner part of you, 
as a vocalist, really putting yourself out front and putting your voice out front, both figuratively and literally? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, again, it's kind of like going back to the reasons that I moved to New York. You know, did I come here to be a professional performer or a singer, or cut an album or do this or that or the other? And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that still after being here for so long. It's that I just need to satisfy um, a need to express myself in this way. And the tricky part about that is that, you know, it's easy to compare uh, yourself, myself with other people in this field of like, I'm not a real musician if I don't do dot, dot, dot. I'm not a real singer if I don't do dot, 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 if I'm not working at it to make millions or to be on the road all year long. You know, it's just so easy to say, I'm not this if I don't do that. When the truth is, I think that if you want to do something, you just need to do it to the best of your ability until you feel satisfied with it. And then by doing that, hopefully your best work will come out to share with other people. Um, so I think that's all I, I think that's it. I think that's all I got with it right now. And then who knows when that will actually be satisfied, if that will be when I have, I don't know, my own album or we do an album or, or we go on the road. I don't know. It'll just be that place where I, maybe the insecurity just isn't there anymore. Um, maybe it won't ever be satisfied. And this is what I'll keep doing for forever because it's certainly something that's taken many decades <laughs> and it's still not satisfied. So, um, so I don't know. I'm very interested in the time that I'm in right now with it. Yeah. It's kind of pivotal. There's a little bit of an inflection point here, it's a, which is a phrase I like. I, you know, I, I, uh, I think that's a good point in that there's always seems to be this, um, one overriding view or impression in people's minds of, what a person, uh, how a person should be or how a person's career should be in really any profession. But it, it, particularly as a performing artist, uh, a lot of people think of it as, well, if you are doing this, you're doing this because you want to achieve this laundry list of goals. But, you know, and you may or may not want to at various points in, in your journey, but what you're really saying is when you come back to it and you always have, it's because, or correct me if I'm wrong, you, you continue to keep connecting to some uh, need to express yourself in that way, and and to and and if and maybe even to connect with other people in the world through your singing. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's funny because I think something that I've really learned, uh, and this kind of goes back to your opener about uh, naked photographs. Um, this year, more than ever, or maybe just, it's not even maybe 2020 and everything, all the shit that's gone down, maybe it's just the time that I am in my life, um, is when you really start to understand the limited amount of time that you really have um, as a human being. It's just, it's just realizing that sort of mortality, right? So I think right now, what I understand more than anything um, is there's never been a moment where if I've taken a long hiatus from singing or performing um, and come back to it, that it still doesn't feel good. doesn't mean that I feel like I'm singing well. It just means that the practice of getting back into it always still seems to feel good. 
And so I think something that always keeps bringing me back to it is one that I'm not satisfied with what I, how I feel expressing myself in it, but also I'm just happy that I, I appreciate that I can right now. I wonder if there'll ever be a time when I can't do the things that make me feel joyful. And especially with this past year and everything like that, um, no matter what your goal is towards something, what my goal is towards anything, anything that feels good and feels joyful is something that I want to do more of Hmm. without judgment of what it means in the grand scope of career or life achievement. I just want to do it because I realized it it might not be an option at some point. So um, that has definitely, that realization has definitely fed into um, me pursuing it more with you or being more open to doing more things with it, I should say. Because it just feels so damn good, you know? And I don't, like I said, that doesn't mean that I think that it's good or not. I don't think of it that way. It's just, how does it feel? What's the quality of it that it feels? So that's what I'm going for. (laughs) Yeah, I I think you're getting there. I think you've got it. Um, Yeah, I mean, to take the pressure off from having to achieve something, so to speak, is a really great place to be. And um, I, you know, I'm strictly saying about music, but this can apply to so many things. The expression of music, whether it's live or recorded, is really the capturing of a moment, a capturing of a present sure. moment and the energy that's in that moment. And uh, I've said this in other podcasts where I, I have as much reverence for the recorded product as I do for live, because if it's done right, it is actually that kind of sparkly, sizzly you know, moment of now that is being captured. But it's different for everybody. And you say that, you know, it, it brings you a certain feeling. It's just one of the reasons why you keep coming back to it. Can you describe that feeling? Well, it's just connection on another level. You know, and I mean, I mean, of course, <laughs> to go with, you know, um, you know, your goal always with everything that you know, you know, is connection, conversation, it's, you know, breaking down genres and barriers and stuff. Um, you know, I think it connects back to how I used to feel when I was a little kid just dancing on stage. When you are on a stage and you are doing any kind of performance, you're not up there by yourself. You're up there, even if you're solo, you're with the people in the audience. You're with the music playing. You're with just the energy of, like you said, that moment, right? And it's something that is, um, you know, you just don't have to think. You just have to go with the feeling and you don't leave anything behind. It's truly an an embracing of everything that moment has to offer. So there's no past, there's no future. It really is being in that moment. And it doesn't mean that you go to some place where you lose uh, the reality of the situation. It's that you ground yourself into the reality of that moment even deeper. And so having that base from dance and then experiencing that in theater and music, I find when I sing, you know, um, it's not that I don't know what note is coming up next or what lyric is coming up next, but it takes such an intense focus to just shut out the noise that is unuseful, that it really brings me full force into that moment. So I think 
chasing the feeling of really just being in the moment to where all worry is gone because you just, it's un, it's completely unhelpful is, is the most satisfying feeling you could ever have. And performing always seemed to satisfy that. Um, I mean, you can be in the moment in a lot of other horrible ways, <laughs> you know, um, you know, uh, have you ever had something like tragic happen? Unfortunately, where there's a disaster that happens and suddenly it's the very macabre kind of horrible feeling of calm that comes over you because everything else just goes away. I remember when my grandmother passed away um, in around 2007, I was in the middle of work getting ready. I was working in a restaurant and um, it was a very hectic restaurant and there was a lot of prep to do and you're in the chaos of it all. And I was probably late on my rent at the time. And, you know, it's just a lot of drama happening. And then I got the call that she was sick and that, this was pretty much it. And I flew out of that restaurant running home because I needed to go tend to my family. And I remember sitting on my bed and it's not that I enjoyed the sadness of the moment, but it's that there was this sort of peaceful calm only because everything that I could possibly have been worrying about before was completely gone. Cause all I was focused on was my family and my grandmother and her last moments to be with her. And so that is also being in the moment, you know, there's so many ways to get to it. Meditation can do it. Um, being drunk, I think sometimes puts you in the moment where you don't think about all the things that you don't want to think about, uh, which is not always the necessarily the most healthy way to go about things. Um, but performing was the healthiest way that I could get that feeling of being so alive on every level and so um, noiseless, <laughs> if mm. you will. And so singing now challenges me uh, the most in that. And I love acting. I love dancing. I love all of it. But singing, um, singing still takes the most focus to get there. Does that make sense as far as a feeling goes? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It uh, it's it, calming. Yeah, it, it, and I like how you put it. I, I would kind of paraphrase that and say, in the in the midst of the most marvelous music moment, the mind is noiseless. Time just goes away. Yeah. And there's nothing I like better than just feeling like, you know, people talk about in business a lot or creative people talk about being in like a flow state. Yeah. And I really think that flow state is when you just, you do, you forget the clock. You forget time exists. It's made up. We make it up. And so when you put yourself in a situation where um, time isn't barreling down on you, whether that's the time of your life or the time when you have to go be somewhere else or a time when someone's going to need you or I, I don't know, just time can be so all consuming with pressure. And so when you just get into that place where time is gone and all the worry associated with that time is gone, oh my God, I mean, let's go sing right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to no, ever... If you're going to describe I, it I like never, that, yeah. I never want to not be in that, um, you know? Um, and I guess when I'm when when we're performing or, or anything like that, I'm never thinking about, oh, well, the song's almost over or the show's almost over. I mean, you have that kind of metric in your head, I guess, because, you know, you are tuned in to who you're performing for or with, or, you know, of course, but it's not the same as like, 
you know, uh, I really enjoy meditation, but there's a moment when you can even find that, that moment where you're like, oh, the 20 minutes is up or the 10 minutes is up. I don't know. It's just, it's not as satisfying. It seems like a lot of these uh, disciplines that are, you know, chosen consciously or activities, like you say, getting drunk and things like that. Um, and mu and music, which can be, you know, a combination of a discipline and a feeling of getting drunk, all kind of strive for the same thing, which is to take our desperate need for structure and control and just completely throw it out the window. There's, you know? Yeah, no, totally. But you know what's funny about that is that you know, I was also thinking, you know, there's that feeling of being timeless, uh, noiseless, weightless, you know, all of the worries gone, which is, you know, being in the moment is a wonderful feeling. But also, you know, I mean, you, you are literally playing, you know, and it's just so it's just so easy to forget how to have playtime as you get older. And so even if you're doing a gig or even if you're learning a hard piece of music or if you're learning something that, you know, you're doing for for money to pay your rent or whatever, the best way to go about really getting good or, and and getting into that is to play. You know, your your job relies on you um you know, uh, playing with structure or throwing structure out or getting goofy and making weird noises or doing that. So I think it also satisfies that need that playtime is the best. I mean, we can all remember what it was like to just, you know, uh, not control ourselves and go with our impulses and our instincts. I mean, we all know that as children and we just, it's just so easy to let that go when you get older. So the feeling of singing is when it's really good, you don't have to think you can just play and get curious. And so that's another feeling that's generated by it. Wouldn't you, do you agree? I mean. Yeah. Oh yes. And I think it gives uh, more kind of honor and respect to the word play itself, because there's so many ways that that word is used. And most often when people hear it, they associate it with kids, they associate it with something frivolous. And the, the two things that come to mind to me, I mean, there's sports, you know, which is, uh, which is its own realm, but in terms sure. of what we're talking about, what comes to mind uh, in the use of the word play that kind of gives it honor is one, when you when you talk about music, you're always saying play music. You don't you know, you might you say it in a different way, but the, the most common way to say it is play music. And and another one uh, related one is in the world of acting, the the primary mode of creation for hundreds of years has been the play. Yeah. And that's not an accident. Well, and I know that, like, especially when we're performing together, right, you know, um, the times that I think that we are at our, you know, quote unquote, best is when, you know, we've done our work, we've done our rehearsal, you go through all of the structures and notes and this and that and feeling and, you know, you know, it takes work to put all that together, you know, it does it takes an immense amount of work. And then we just let it go. And we're just tuning into each other and riffing off like there's no there's no judgment or worry about whether or not we are going to be again quote unquote good you know mm -hmm. uh 
are we going to do a good job? Are, are people going to like us? Will the audience collapse? Um, will people tune in to the, to the live? You know, it's just when you and I are just literally playing, throwing the ball back and forth, you know, uh, through, through, through notes. And then that's when the curiosity comes in and that's when the, the surprises come in. And that's when it's the most satisfying and the most fun. Um, it's when, again, you let yourself just be in, when we let ourselves be in the moment and the moment is all that matters. And that's, so, you know, you know, I'm uh, talking about this more and more and I'm like, uh, my gosh, why don't we, why are we doing this every single All right, let's end the interview right now. <laughs> exactly. Let's We're just over. Go, this is it. Let's just I'm, go perform. Let's go, yeah. let's go sing. Yeah. And at the same time, getting to those moments and getting to that place is challenging. It's work. Um, it is not. It's not all playtime. It's just that the work is worth it to get there. Now, that's the beautiful contradiction of, I think, any kind of achievement like that, you know, in yeah. life is that. Um, you, well, and I, I wanted to comment on, on this real quick first, though, is that the, the, the more you're in the moment, whatever it is you're feeling that moment in that moment, that's what the audience feels. That's that's why it's so valuable to be able to, to do what you're saying and in the moment kind of throw away everything else and just be there. But like you said, which is the contradiction, it takes it takes discipline and structure to learn how to throw away discipline and structure and and, and do it in and do it in a way that's you know effective and visceral and connected with with others. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. And I think again, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I I've always been better at um, being disciplined when it was for other people to show up for other people or to a job that was already always create already created for me or something like that. Like it was just easier to show up on time when I knew that I could possibly get in trouble for not showing up on time. <laughs> um, that was always easier for me when I have to show up just for myself through rehearsing or performing or this and that, that was always harder for me to show up for my own self. And so um, singing, um, you know, when I want to perform, when I'm going to perform for people, um, I really have to feel like they're my boss um, in a way, not that anybody's going to, you know, demote me if we, if we don't sing for them or anything like that, but I have to think about it in my mind. So I know I have the discipline to show up and work as hard as I can to know that I can let that go. And then hopefully if I can let it go, then I can in turn, let the people watching let go, which I think is why we love to watch performers is that we want to tune into their, you know, their magic of letting it go. I think. I mean, a lot of people, I think, like, you know, love the technical side of music, which, of course, is awesome. Um, but I think uh, I think the magic that that technic that technical prowess produces is really the thing we like the most. What do you think? I you know, no, I agree. And I, I you're like an encyclopedia with that stuff. Uh, <laughs> you are like you have, well, you, you know, know, you have a library. I can't even believe it. Uh, your ear as far as like connecting and this and that. And I'm not even saying that just because, you know, the whole in the fall, we're getting married thing. I just mean, like, uh, it was always amazing to me how I think you always loved both. You always seem to love um 
you know, live performance and stuff like that, but you do love the structures and the genius that goes into the recording studio and you, you followed it your whole life and know it so well that I think that, I don't know, maybe you appreciate it on a whole other level than I even really could. Cause I don't have that kind of background. Um, well, I think that, I think it's true that the more you know about anything and the more time you spend with anything, the more appreciation you, you have, if you're inclined to, enjoy it, not if you're forced to learn it, but, um, and thank you. That's, that's very cool. I mean, that's basically, this is why I do this. And I, I've said this, I believe I said it in, in, on my YouTube channel that I can't not do this because there's this feeling of bursting with, uh, knowledge and emotion and, and all of that, uh, about music and the various facets of music that would just kind of, I, there's nowhere else for it to go, but out. Yeah. You know, so, so that's very cool. But I, I want to get back to a, a point that you mentioned and segue into something uh, interesting about you, is that um, you talk about not wanting to be your own boss, in a sense. And to me, that means this kind of uh, what you're doing is finding a way to uh, give yourself permission and let go of judgment. And we can find ways to do that without the need to have a boss or someone else. But I, I know I've been on in both, you know, sides of that equation. And I do understand how much easier it is when you have somebody saying to you, this is what I want you to do. And I, I'm choosing you to do it because I know you're good at it. I want you to be a part of it. There's a certain level of, okay, well, then I don't have to give myself a, some internal, you know, another internal reason to do it. I am being, you know, this is being uh, kind of given to me as a, as a, as an objective. And yet what you're really doing is just finding that place inside yourself to, to be the boss, because the truth is, if you are really intending to do justice to what someone else wants you to do, you have to be so on top of what you yourself are doing that you have to be the boss of that. And no one else can do that for you. Not even the boss. You have to show up in a way that is whole and complete within itself. Even if you're just the, you know, person hitting the tambourine 20 times in one song. Well, um, I mean, yes, I, I, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, oh, there's just so much to, <laughs> to unpack with this. I'll say this. I think for my, for myself, it's all I can comment on is that in, in regards to performing and, uh, finding a discipline around around doing what I needed to do for myself to satisfy my own personal uh, goals around it. Um, I had to take responsibility for the fact that what I wanted to do was, um, uh, was important enough to show up. Um, you know, it's, 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 I just love people who, uh, from like day one, they say, I am this. And then they go do 
everything that you need to do to be that, right? They just have this, I am, this is who I am. You know, you see, it's so funny. Like you see so many, like, you know, you know, uh, kids that are like, you know, 10 years old and they're like, I'm a content creator. I have a YouTube channel and I, or, you know, like they're just so set on, I am going to do this. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to do it for the rest of their lives, but they're telling themselves, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. It's important. I'm going to show up for it because it's so easy for so many people to say they are something and then do nothing, uh, to actually be that, you know what I mean? And then understand and then not understand why they're not successful at it. And I think that I kind of was that person in some respects. Like I would think of myself as, oh, I love this or I want to do this, but then I wouldn't show up for it because I just didn't think it was as important as showing up for the job that somebody said was important and I was going to get you know, a guaranteed paycheck from it. Mm -hmm. So I think for me growing up has definitely been taking on the responsibility of showing up for what I say I want to do. Again, even if it doesn't mean that I want to like make a giant career out of it, you know what I mean? Even if I don't bust out a ton of albums or become that singer songwriter or whatever, it's important to me. And that means that I should have a responsibility to do it because again, going back, I realize I'm not going to be here forever. You know, it's interesting how time can really make you prioritize what's important to you, no matter what your um, goals are around it. So that's been a big shift as far as like, who's the boss, you know, you can have a boss in your career, or you can be an entrepreneur, but no matter what, you're the boss of your life. But there's responsibility in that, a lot of responsibility. Um, well, it, I know, don't know. I think I went yeah. off in like 40, 40 different, no, 40 that's, different ways that's with perfect. all of that. It, it actually, <laughs> so, oddly enough, I, what I've been thinking of while you're saying this, um, among many things, is Lizzo. And the reason why is because, you know, uh, we watched her interview with David Letterman. And it's yeah, not an great. uncommon thing. It's not, but because it was her and, you know, it's recent. That's why I'm thinking of her. But she did profess that there have been plenty of times where there was a sense of was what she was doing important enough to right. to the world. That I think there's a place in you know uh, in in any performer who sticks at it, you know, at whatever level, however frequently, that it's important enough to them. But what you're judging is is what's important to you also important enough to anybody else in the world. And even the highest level performers, uh, the greatest success, have those moments, uh, maybe not forever, but it, but it, depend, it really depends on their journey. And the difference, really, I think the only difference between uh, any, any of us and any of them or all of us, however you want to say it, is in the doing, is, which is kind of what you said, which is 100%. feel what you're feeling you don't know what's important or not and no you don't know what other people will will connect with or not but if it's important to you and you do it then that's what it is yeah no i completely agree yeah um you know i i think one of the you know they're always saying you know you're looking for your purpose in life if you feel like you're floundering and you need to find your purpose in life you know always go back to what you loved doing as a child or you know you know what did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, hell, I had like 20 things that I said. I never had one focus or anything like that. Um, 
And I came across a woman one time who said, you know, your life purpose is what you say it is. Your purpose is what you say it is. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you did when you were a kid or, or, or what you're doing now, if this is what you want to do at any point, then that's what it is. You've decided, but then go do it. Absolutely. You have to take action to actually do it. Um, And I think, I think one big thing with that is that if you say you're something or that you are going to do something or you are a singer or uh, a doctor or a writer or, you know, a musician, whatever, if you say you're that and then you don't go do it, in my experience, what happens is that you become the world's best critic of that profession or that thing oh, yeah. because you say you're that and then you're constantly immersing yourself in it because you love it, but you're not actually doing it. You don't actually have your experience of it. So then you just constantly are criticizing how other people are doing it because you're, you're on the outskirts of it. You're not in your own experience. Um, so I was uh, say it, but once. do it. <laughs> right. Right. I, cu- I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I was told once in an, in an acting class I took, that uh, it was a guy who had worked at, you know, with so many stars, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I don't really remember who it was or what my overall impression of the guy was, but one thing that's always stuck with me that I've heard repeated by many people in the business, as well as it's been my own experience, which is that most people who are making a living as actors or in that acting profession and doing it consistently and doing it well enough to keep getting hired are actually some of the the nicest people you can meet and the easiest to work with. Does that mean in their personal life that's how they are? No, but what that means is because they're constantly doing and taking that, those feelings of, you know, like you said, being a critic and all just in within themselves and absorbing it and allowing it to help them be better and just be consistent and be good. They don't feel the need to look on at other people in the world and criticize. There's a sense of they've just embraced. This is who they are because this is what they do. And they don't spend their time uh, observing others who do it to a detrimental degree. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's another thing is that, you know, as far as always going back to singing or really performing on a whole, um, it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a fun mix of being completely humbled because, you know, you, uh, you put yourself out there and when you put yourself out in anything, uh, you will have very humbling moments of what it actually takes to create something that is has substance and feels right to you and all of that. So it's a very humbling experience. And yet at the same time, a very, um, uh, I won't say ego driven, uh, it can be, I think it's a very centering process though, too. You know what I mean? Like you have to put yourself and your needs first to be able to do something well you know it takes work you have to be there you have to show up you have to take the time you have to say no to other things um how you say no to other things or do other things is whether or not you are you know megalomaniac or something like that but i mean you have to really put 
the craft and your art and, 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 and the project or what you're doing it for, your why, however you want to say it, at the forefront and at the same time be completely humbled by the experience of doing that. And that is an immersion um, like no other. I did a show in 2011 um, called Catherine Lynn, 30 Year Love Story. And it's I did it for one night. It was one show or one night. It took me six weeks to put together, but took me a year of doing like, you know, uh, uh, like open mics and stuff like that to come together. You know, it was, it was one night of just storytelling and music. Um, and what it took to just put that one night together was incredible fun, completely humbling. Um, uh, and I had to really, it was the first time I ever felt like I put completely what I needed to do at the forefront was working in a restaurant at the time. Um, no job has ever been like that for me. So, um, I don't know where I was going with this. All I can say is, is that well, to be completely humbled and then completely at the front and center of what you're doing is, is just very interesting process. Well, I don't know anything you know, else like it, it. It's like the idea of having to live in structure and discipline in order to let go of it all. There's like, there's so many ideas that exist in the world and life in general, but in music and other disciplines that are this kind of yin yang Zen not to quote a 90s song, but everything Zen, you know, <laughs> I do think so. Um, but, quote you know, it, it. but I'm glad you brought up what you brought up because I have kept trying to segue to this and you're just too damn good at talking. And that is you did do a show in 2011 that was, uh, you know, your show. It was a show that you crafted, as you said. And, and, you know, put the band together and hired the, the, the band director and music director and all of that and crafted it around a, a story, in a sense. And uh, fortunately, you videotaped it. So, you know, for posterity. Uh, and I got to see it. And I thought it was wonderful. I thought, I thought that you were 100% there. Thank you very much for that. Um, I think it was the first time. What was so funny is at the time I was working with um, uh, a woman who um, uh, she uh, does a practice called Jin Shinjitsu, and it's a it's a type of body work and energy work. It's sort of like acupressure um, or acupuncture, but with fingertips, not needles. Um, so she was very tuned into what was going on in my body. And I had known her for many years. And when I was doing uh, this show, when I was in the process of doing it, and I had set the date, and I knew exactly what I was going to do. I remember I was in a session with her. And she goes, you feel so clear right now. She goes, you feel so clear in your body. And it was the first time I had ever experienced um knowing I was going to do something and putting myself out there in a way that I had not experienced with other productions or shows, because this was mine. It was me saying what I wanted to say and doing everything that I wanted to do. And, you know, uh, the clarity of just going, Oh, I'm doing this and being full in like, you know, uh, you know, you're in the driver's seat. You don't really have a seatbelt on, but you are there 100%. Um, I had never experienced 
again, accepting the responsibility of no matter what happens, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was a very, uh, very good um, uh, moment to understand what, what it takes to do that. But again, like kind of what we were going back to saying before, the way that that show came out is that I, I had started doing photographs. I started to shoot uh, a, an open mic that was happening in the East Village in the neighborhood I was living at the time. It was called Penny's Open Mic. And it was at the St. Mark's, under St. Mark's Theater. And they had an open mic every Tuesday. And I would go there and I would photograph it. And then I just started to perform. And I would just come up with, I don't know, stuff every week. And it was a fantastic community and a, a wonderful place for support. And it took the discipline of me showing up every Tuesday to, again, have your have be humbled and then to be inspired and to really practice being in the moment or being on stage for seven minutes at a time, which is how long the sets were. And to really just... To, to do it like I said I did that for a full-on year before I did that so if I hadn't had that practice then I would have no idea how to go up there and actually be present for a full hour speaking my truth or what I wanted to say um well it worked so really again well the and... discipline led to the freedom of the moment it, it did and, and what I love about the way you told it is that you you talk about building it in a sense in these seven minute increments. And that, that reminds me of, um, uh, n you know, novelists who start out writing short stories or mm -hmm. uh, directors who start doing, uh, you know, music videos or sitcoms before they go into a feature film. You know, there's the, those things in and of themselves are all worthy and don't need to lead to anything else, but it's a great way to build to something bigger. Because you're learning those those little moments are what make a longer form into something great because it's just made of a bunch of little moments. You know what? And that's a, absolutely. And you know what? That's the thing is that that's why music was always, I mean, I like just in tears with not being able to learn it. Like learning sheet music, like back when I was a teenager and when my, you know, my singing teacher at the time was going to like basically be like, look, <laughs> you got to give me something to work with here. I was so frustrated because I could never break things down note by note. I mean, in my head, I heard the whole song. I heard the whole feeling. I heard all this just to be able to calm yourself into note by note and having that structure and doing that was just the most frustrating, hard thing in the whole world. I mean, even when we work on songs, you know, it's funny because sometimes the hardest phrases or the, the the strangest melodies sometimes those are easier and then you're like you know okay we're just gonna sing you know like a third as far as a harmony goes and I'm like I can't get it you know like <laughs> it's just sometimes the sometimes just being able to break things down is really the um where the real where the real work comes in sometimes well, the, the whole show is the easy part to and to imagine yeah because you've done so much before it I, I look, I, I my belief is always it doesn't matter how you get there as long as, you, you know, you get there. And there's so many musicians who we know who are legends who can't read a note of music or may, maybe they can now, but they couldn't when they started and for, you know, played by ear and put things together because the ultimate goal is creating something that lives and breathes. And 
Yeah, I have this talk all the time, uh, you know, mostly in my head, but often with real people. And it, and it's and because I grew up with classical training and knowing how to read music and all of that. So I was, but my, my dad was a performer and he, he did too, but he always approached it as the, the song and the, and the music and the performance are what is the most important. So I had this kind of dichotomy of learn your chops, learn your, you know, the theory and, and what means what, but in the end, that's really not what's the most important. Uh, there are things you can learn from that that can benefit you in, in the, you know, the rest of what you perform and what you create. But that's, but how, again, how you got there is really not, is not what matters. It's that you got there. And why? Because uh, the 99% of people who are watching you or listening to you only care about how it feels. You know, there are people in the audience who have more knowledge. They might break it down, you know, but what I'm, when I'm like when I'm listening to music, uh, if my brain picks up on something I want to use, sure, I'll file it away. But the reason I'm listening to it is because I love it. It's because I feel it. It's because I want to connect to it, and I want to connect to the people who made it. Yeah. And yeah. And so that's to me, uh, at so many levels, you see this happening, including that 2011 show. You know, I just and I'm really glad at some point. We're going to have to release a special edition of that. So We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we, we could talk all day and all night. And clearly, uh, you know, this is one of the wonderful and crazy things about this new interview edition. Oh! Music is not a genre. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's uh, I think this is a good time to ask you one more question. Because the, you know, the good people at home have lives and do not yet realize that uh, this is actually more important. Uh, and that's, that's something that uh, my character Feek said right after, right after Feek was born. Within the first couple of years, there is a print that said, has, has Feek yelling, don't worry about life. This is more important. Nice. Yeah, and uh, that may end up on a T-shirt someday. I was just going to say, uh, I was just going right. to say, uh, to be continued after the recording. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and so just, talk, to, just to end, is there anything else you want to say or that you that we maybe missed out on in running, you know, back and forth or that you want to promote before we say goodbye? Um. Well, now that we have the feek, the future feek shirt, uh, snow shirt that we already talked about, mm -hmm. um, I'll say this is that um, again, performing, singing, music—the thing that I like and I I love about it most is that it just it's it's the best way for me to learn about myself and I think life in general. It's just been a great teacher. And so I appreciate what you're doing with everything that you're doing with music is not a genre and then connecting with other artists, because I think that aside from music, from the actual like technical music, the experience of music and the experience of um, breaking down the barriers of how some people want to classify it, uh, I think is a great catalyst for learning about humanity and learning about life more um so i appreciate uh i appreciate everything you're doing with it 
Well, um, thank you. Because if that is if that is the most important thing, and I think that that's what you emphasize is that you are somebody who is, uh, you're in the notes, you're in the technicality, you're in the 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 way everything is played. But at the end of the day, you're into the umbrella thought of, but how does this really? Um, affect change and humanity and connection with each other, which is the most important thing. It's being on that stage and feeling the most alive and being in the moment. So, um, so I agree with you and I appreciate you. Uh, aside from that, um, I think the thing that I'm really excited about doing next, and this is uh, Catherine Plesnick, this is you and I, um, is that uh, the weekend of Valentine's Day weekend, February 12th and February 14th, we actually get to perform at the very first original song that we will be co-writing together um, for our good friend, uh, Jamie Dry's dance company, Drive Marinero uh, Dance Company. Um, they are putting together uh, a whole show, a pre-recorded show of artists, of dancers, dance pieces, musicians, a whole bunch of stuff to come together. And it is going to be fantastic. And I cannot wait to do it with you. It's a whole new year, a whole new world. It's very exciting to me. I, you know, as people might know, I've written hundreds of songs and uh, I've not really written anything uh, for someone else. I've written with other people, but to write with you, with the intention of the two of us performing it together, is that is, after all these years, a brand new thing. And I couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah, and I've never written my own music that anybody else has heard. We're going to change that. Yeah. Other than those songs yeah. on my uh, on my playground set in my backyard when I was mm. like eight, you know, other than those, you we'll know, find I, those yes. too. Yeah, though yeah. they'll be on the EP. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm yeah. looking forward to the weekend of February 14th. Well, me too, and uh, this that's great. This whole thing has been awesome, and we will make sure to put. Uh, you know the information for whatever we currently have at the time of this release there in the in the comments of the text for this video so that any of you out there who want to know more about Catherine or anything she's doing or in this case anything we're doing please you know uh, read that and or contact us uh, however you can we'd be really happy to share it because as always the objectives here are music conversation and Connection. Connection. Yes. Thank you, Catherine, so much for taking all this time to kick off the, this inaugural interview edition of Music is Not a Genre. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening and for watching and for clicking and sharing and subscribing and giving blood and whatever else it is that you're, you're doing out there to support people like us. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 